Thank you, Don, for that prayer. I really appreciate it. Uh, I am in a little bit of a rough spot, uh, this being my second week in the pulpit and uh, following on the heels of what happened in our country this week. You don't know me, really, and I really don't know you, so um, I appreciate Don praying. And I think it says to me, his prayer, that we can agree, regardless of where we are on the political spectrum, we can agree on a few things as Christians. Number one, that our identity as Christian Christians uh, tops all of the rest of our identity. We are Christians first and political people second. And so as Christians, we know that we are a people called to peace and that the violence of this last week uh, just needs to be condemned. The images of the mob entering the Capitol and the thoughts of uh, five people being killed and our leaders being endangered was really unsettling and frightening. Um, And so we want to be people of peace and speak the truth that that needs to be condemned. I think secondly, as Christians, we are people of prayer. And so I want to encourage us as a congregation, as individuals, to pray for our country, to really pray for um, our leaders, and that uh, we take a new path as we go forward, that we can come together as a country. And that would be the third thing that I would say is, as Christians, we are people who bring healing. We are all priests. And so I encourage all of us to listen, to love, to live out the great commandment, uh, maybe uh, even more earnestly during these days. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, your mind, and your soul, and your strength. And then the second part, love your neighbor as yourself. You know, as we, as I thought about what to preach on um, in these next weeks, I wasn't sure. Again, I don't know the congregation, so I went to the staff and asked what would be good to preach about. And uh, we decided that what we need right now are words of encouragement. There are those times when we need to lament and to know that we are hurting and uh, need to cry out to God and lament. And then I think there are those times that we need encouragement and to be given hope. And Steve Main said it well. He said, you know, we've, we've lamented, and I get the sense, he said, that we need to be encouraged. So that's what we're going to try to do over the next weeks. We're looking at a very encouraging letter, the letter of Philippians. And my hope every week is that you will leave encouraged and a little more full of hope than when uh, you first came to worship. So let me pray, and then uh, we'll start this series. God, we thank you that you are the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. Uh, That we can look to you in in times of trouble and know that you are our rock. God, I pray for these weeks ahead as we take a look at this great letter. Um, We pray that even though it was written over 2,000 years ago to people of a very different time and place, where we know that it still holds timeless truths for us today. Just as this letter was a great source of encouragement for these people so long ago, may it also be a source of encouragement for us in these coming weeks. And Lord, we need encouragement. It's been a tough time. And we pray that you would strengthen us and encourage us and help us to open our hearts to your word this morning and in the weeks ahead. 
Change us so that we too may be people who can rise above the turbulent circumstances of life. And we pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. As I said earlier, it has been quite a week on top of a pretty difficult few months, on top of a very rough year. We were all hoping 2021 might be better, uh, that life might return to some sense of normalcy, but if this last week was an indication of what's ahead, we might be in for another tough stretch. I think this prompted my, uh, a friend of my wife's to send her this meme. It says, I'd like to cancel my subscription to 2021. I've experienced the seven-day trial, and I'm not interested. <laughs> I can understand it because uh, it's been a hard week, a hard week to begin uh, 2021. In light of all this, I want to ask you a question. How would you like to be unshakable, to have the ability to take whatever life throws at you and still possess a confidence, a sense of peace, an equilibrium, uh, even when life throws things at you, when life is less than ideal or even very turbulent? Because life does throw a lot at us, doesn't it? My guess is that every single one of us this morning may be facing something in our lives that could throw us off balance or threaten to steal our joy. Maybe it's an illness or financial concerns or the possibility of losing a job or relational problems. Perhaps one of your children is having a difficult time. Or maybe you're just getting older and coming to realize, not just rationally, but emotionally, that much more of life is behind you than in front of you. And that's unsettling. Or maybe you're lonely. Maybe you've lost a spouse in the last year or two, and this pandemic, on top of that loss, has left you very lonely. You know, there's no doubt that M. Scott Peck was right when he opened his great book, The Road Less Traveled, with these words. Life is difficult. This is a great truth. One of the greatest truths, he writes. Life is a series of problems. He then goes on to write that once we accept this truth, we can face life in a much healthier fashion. So the question I asked at the beginning is a good one to consider. How would you like to be or to have the ability to meet these tough times in life head on, to have courage and confidence, even in the most tumultuous times of life? And is this even possible? In the book of Philippians, which is a book I love, we learn about a man who has discovered, I think, the secret of rising above circumstances in life. And not only does he rise above the circumstances, he possesses, he expresses an unshakable joy and peace even during the worst storms of life. 
And I have to tell you, Paul is definitely in a storm. He's in some tough circumstances when he writes this letter to the church in Philippi. He's in prison, possibly chained to a guard 24-7. We don't know if he's in a regular prison or under house arrest, but it is pretty clear that he is chained to a guard 24-7. He's awaiting trial and possible execution. He's lonely. He's separated from those who he loves. He is in the later years of life, and he knows that his death is not far away. And on top of all of this, the ministry that he gave his life to is in danger of being undermined by even those inside the church. He's also in a very dangerous city. Rome at this time was unstable and intense. Nero was the emperor, and he was a maniacal man, immoral, maybe amoral sadistic and cruel. He was the emperor who instituted the gladiatorial contest in the Colosseum. He also began a severe persecution of Christians that spread throughout the Roman Empire. So Paul's in a tough situation. And yet, despite these daunting circumstances, Paul's letters to his friends, this church in Philippi, is full of joy of confidence, peace, and hope. He is non-anxious in an anxious world. What's amazing about this letter is it is a letter of sheer encouragement written by a person who has every reason to be discouraged. And so for the next weeks, as we look at this letter, I want to just lift up different keys to Paul's ability to rise above the circumstances of life. Let me read our scripture for this morning, the first six verses of chapter one. Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus to all God's people in Christ at Philippi, together with the overseers and the deacons, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God every time I remember you In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy, there it is the first time, because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. And here's what we're going to focus on this morning. Being confident of this, that he, God, who began a good work in you, will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Right here in the first six verses of this letter, we see three keys to Paul's ability to rise above the circumstances in his life. The first one is this. Paul is confident that regardless of what happens in his life, God is with him and God is working in him. Did you hear his encouragement to the Philippians in verse 6? Let me say it one more time. One of the great verses in this book. Being confident, and that word can be translated sure, absolutely convinced, persuaded. Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion 
until the day of Christ Jesus. Great encouragement. Now, there are many verses in this uh, letter worth memorizing. In fact, I encourage you to read the letter in its entirety at one sitting. Uh, it takes about 10 or 15 minutes. And, and to get the feel for it and to see those verses that might be worth memorizing. But this is one for sure. Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Now, why is it so good to internalize that verse, to memorize it, to have it in our hearts and minds? Well, it's because it is so easy to forget these simple truths, isn't it? So easy to look at our circumstances and forget that God is with us, that it is not simply up to us. You'll probably hear me say a number of times that we are believers, many of us. I would say most of us are believers, but oftentimes we function as atheists. Now, what do I mean by that? I mean that we believe, but we live our lives sometimes as though God did not exist. Especially when something goes wrong in life, when we are faced with great difficulty, what is our immediate reaction sometimes? It, we say to ourselves, I have to take care of this problem. I have to solve it. I have to do the work. You see what I'm saying? We are functional atheists. We get focused on the circumstances instead of on God. We, can, we come to be very me-centered in the sense that we think it is about us and about what we can do. Now, one thing we will learn about Paul very quickly in this letter is that he is very God-centered. We will see this over and over and over and over again in this letter. God is his foundation. Paul begins with God. Paul ends with God. And everything in the middle is God. God is his hope. God is his strength. God is his redeemer, creator, sustainer. He is dependent on God. And he looks to God instead of his circumstances. He knows that regardless of what the circumstances of his life might be, God is at work. God is with him. Boy, that's a good word. In fact, God is not just with him. God is in him. The God of the universe, the one who spoke and all things were created, it's that God who is in Paul and in you. And if you go through something in, right now in your life, know that God is with you, that he's at work in you. You may not see it right now, but be sure, just like Paul, God is in you, and God is working. And see, that's the second key that I'd like to lift up from this passage. One of the keys to how Paul copes with life, he knows that God is working in his life. God is doing a good work in his life. What is this good work? Well, it's this fancy theological term, sanctification, that 
God is working. Once we become Christian, God grabs us and he begins working in our lives to make us mature, to make us complete. This word is teleos, which means complete. The word for er, uh, work is ergon. It's something that happens that has a concrete result, something that you can see. God is doing something in us. He's making us whole. He's bringing us shalom, this equilibrium, this well-being, this peace in life. You know, as I look at this verse and I think of this theological term, sanctification, I often think of the book of Isaiah or many places in the Old Testament where it speaks of Paul or God as the potter and we are the clay. God takes that clay, us, and he works it and he works it and he works it gently, skillfully, lovingly to make us whole, to make us complete to make us more like Christ. And here's the third thing, third key. God will complete what God has started. He has begun this good work and it's continuing and he'll continue it. He will not quit. God doesn't tire. He's earnest. He's faithful. Even when we're not faithful, God is faithful. He doesn't fatigue. He doesn't get disinterested in us. He will complete the work that he has begun. Now, what's the application for us today? Well, I think we can have confidence that God is with us, that we are not alone, that God will complete the work, even when our circumstances in life tells us otherwise. God never abandons us. God is always there. He doesn't give up on us. He continues to work. And you know, when we know these promises, these truths in our lives, I think it brings us joy. I've heard it say that, said that it brings us the joy of anticipation. Because we always know that God's going to do something that we can anticipate some new road in life that God can redeem, that we can anticipate what God is going to do, and that brings us joy. You know, there's a fundamental truth in this verse. This is a truth that just uh, speaks of grace. That regardless of what happens in life, in our lives, the gospel says that there is always a chance for a new beginning. That there are never dead ends in the Christian life because there's forgiveness and redemption and that God is working to redeem and to forgive and to bring something new. This is the gospel. And that's true for our lives individually. It's also true for the church. You know, really this verse it says god for i'm confident of this very thing that he who began a good work in you it's really in y'all in the church this church is going through a tough time and paul says god is not let 
has not let go of you. He's going to continue to work and redeem and to make something new. So it's a good word for the church. Because we can look at the church sometimes and get discouraged and wonder if there's a future. Well, this says God will continue to work. I think we can also look at our country and pray for redemption. That the events of this past week will not just be another sad event in the life, a discouraging event in the life of our country, but that it will be a turning point. And perhaps it will be a point where something happens, a restart, and we begin to come together as a country, and there's a new day. God is a God of redemption, of new beginnings, a God who continues to work, a God who is with us and will never leave us, That's good news. Embrace these promises. Live these promises. Remember these promises. Amen. Let's pray together. God, we thank you for these great verses and for the promises, these great promises that you are with us, you are in us, you continue to work in us regardless of what circumstances may say, and that you will continue this work. We thank you that with you there is always a possibility of redemption, of a new way out, that there are no dead ends. Lord, help us to live in light of these promises. Help us to look to them, to be reminded of them, to be God-centered instead of letting our circumstances be the center of our lives. Lord, encourage us. We pray all these things in Christ's name. Amen.